Good morning. If you've got your Bible this morning, you can be turning to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll meet you there in just a moment, but let me say, first of all, again, thank you for being here, and welcome to everyone. I'd like to echo Brother Jeff's sentiments. It seems like we've got several this morning. Uh, They may be visitors, they may not be visitors. Some family and friends who are back again, and we are thankful for your presence this morning, and we're thankful for the opportunity to study together and fellowship together as well in just a few moments. Uh, this is new to the Danley family, but a lot of you know already, don't come tonight to the building. I just remind you of that again. Uh, we look forward to being at North Hamilton this evening, and so we look forward to our time of singing with them. And then as well, since we won't be here tonight and uh, won't have a chance to make announcements necessarily for our folks, don't forget Wednesday evening. Please don't forget Wednesday evening. Plan to be here. The sign-up sheet is, I think, maybe still had one or two spots uh, to be here at 5.30 to bring something for our dinner, chili supper, uh, to stay for our class. Bible class hour, and then as well for our trunk or treat, a good time of encouragement, and certainly want to invite all of you, and please invite someone. We'd love to have a good crowd, and not only encourage people with the good time and the candy and the fun there, but it's well, hopefully we'll have several extra for our Bible class hour as well. And then, on behalf of the preacher, don't forget time change next Sunday. All right. Uh, now, I think you'd be here early, right? Is that right if I'm doing my math right? So maybe that's okay. But don't forget time change next weekend, uh, and hopefully we'll all be here at the same time and enjoy another time of uh, fellowship together and study together. This morning, we want to take a look at a lesson that sort of coincides with what we talked about last week. If you were with us, we began last week by asking the question, where are you? We talked about the seriousness of that question. Not so much that you are in a pew in Soddy Daisy, in the state of Tennessee, in the United States. Not so much physically, but spiritually, where are you? And we talked about the very beginning of our lesson, about Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you weren't with us, by way of review very quickly, we looked at four different verses in particular, including beginning with that one, and we talked about what it meant to be in Christ and the things that are in Christ and the encouragement that is found there, every spiritual blessing, salvation, no condemnation, and of course, in the converse way, the things that are outside of Christ and the danger that you risk in your life in being outside of Christ. We finished the lesson, of course, with asking the question, if all those wonderful things are in Christ, how do I get there? And Paul tells us in Galatians 3, 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and again, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? It's a very impactful thought, something for us to consider whether or not we are in Christ. But we began last week with talking about Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and noting that every spiritual blessing is in Christ. Now, Paul, by inspiration, of course, by design of God, gave us some of those spiritual blessings that follow, some of them. And, of course, he doesn't list them as we're used to with 1, 2, 3, 4, and that type of thing. But when we look at Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, through part of the rest of the chapter, Paul gives us some of those spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. That can be encouraging to us to think about that. And that's exactly what we want to do this morning is to look at a few more of those things in detail. Now, there are seven of them, 
Seven points in a sermon is usually enough to get a preacher fired, but we're going to try to get through them as quickly as we can. So hold on, and here we'll go through some of these. Number one, if you've got your outline, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people. Verse number four continues on, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love we are a chosen people that's not the only place of course that the bible speaks about that we think about psalm chapter 4 in verse 3 where the psalmist includes some of these this same idea for us this idea of being chosen by god and in psalm chapter 4 in verse 3 it says but know that the lord has set apart Uh, we like to do that sometimes set things aside the lord has set apart for himself him who is godly the lord will hear when i call to him we like the idea of being set apart god chose us did he choose arbitrarily no the psalmist tells us that there as well in deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6 the idea here where god says for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. It is a privilege to be chosen. And this may be a sad thought for you. I don't want to offend anybody. But if you go all the way back to your time, maybe in elementary school, when we were choosing teens, maybe it was dodgeball, maybe it was kickball, maybe it was some other kind of activity, and maybe you were chosen last. That hurts our feelings sometimes to think about that. We like to be chosen, though. We like to be chosen first as well. We are a chosen people, and it is a privilege. We think as well, of course, of the powerful words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where we think about being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people again all things that we desire we like to be called special we like to feel wanted we want to be chosen and God has done that for us and that is one of the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ is that we are a chosen people number two this morning we are adopted children we'll go back to Ephesians chapter 1 if you're turning to some of the other passages you can do that but Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6 Paul continues on having predestined us to adoption adoption as sons by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the the beloved we are adopted children we think about a few other passages that sort of give us this idea one being john chapter 1 and verse 12 where john writes but as many as received him To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And as well in Galatians chapter 3, verses 20 and verse 26, we already talked about verse 27 this morning, but in verse 26, Paul leads into that by saying, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We are adopted children. Now, when we think about adoption, And of course, being adopted, as adopted children, we have a relationship with the Father. We have certain rights and privileges. We are, we do have a new relationship. We talked about being new last week. 
We do have the same rights and privileges as a genuine son or a genuine child of God. We do have access to the presence of the Father. We do have a special relationship with the children of God. We're able to be here together. All of those things are because we are adopted children. I don't know if you ever had the opportunity to go through an adoption. Maybe you were adopted. Maybe you, you think that is sort of interesting and, and been involved in that before. But the idea, of course, going along with being chosen, being adopted children, we have a relationship. We can have a relationship with the Father. But again, as we read a few moments ago, that is only through faith in Christ Jesus. We are adopted children. Number three this morning. We have redemption and forgiveness. We have redemption and forgiveness of sins. In verse number 7 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul continues on. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, when you read this passage together, maybe you don't exactly catch these things or notice it or think about it. But it is encouraging to know that in Christ... And we talked about that so much last week and sort of branching off of that lesson in Christ. The New King James begins verse 7, in Him. That's where it's found. We have redemption and forgiveness. It's found in Christ. When we think about being a ransom or having a redemption in those words together in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verses 5 and 6 uh, Paul tells Timothy about this relationship or this idea that's 2 Timothy chapter excuse me 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 5 and 6 where Paul tells Timothy now excuse me let me get to chapter 2 for there is one God and one mediator between God and, and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. When we think about this idea of redemption, the idea of redemption, of course, is setting a man free by paying a ransom. Paul tells Timothy here that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus paid the ransom for us so that we could be redeemed. You see, we are guilty. We deserve death. But yet Jesus paid the ransom for us. We think as well about Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 when it comes to the forgiveness of sins as Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper there for as it's recorded for us, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, he says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We have forgiveness of sins in Christ. And it is in baptism that we contact the blood. We've already looked at Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. But as well as in verse 4 we see this idea. If we are not in Christ, we have not contacted the blood of Christ. If we are not in Christ, we have not contacted the blood of Christ. In Him. In Christ. We have forgiveness. We have redemption. That's the only place we can find it. No one else could do it. The blood of bulls and goats was not able to do it. The preacher is not able to do it. The elders are not able to do it. Only in Christ can we have forgiveness and redemption. And that is a part of the spiritual blessings that are found in Him. Number four this morning. We have wisdom. Again from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8. Which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom 
and prudence, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. The wisdom from above. That's the the right wisdom. That's the correct wisdom. That's the wisdom we should want, correct? The wisdom from above is only found, only available to those who are in Christ. Now, that's not the only type of wisdom that we read about in the Bible. We think about 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 19. There, Paul says, for the wisdom of this world, so, so there is a wisdom of this world, but for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. Yeah, there is a wisdom of this world. That's what we seek after many times. It doesn't mean that we don't try to better ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't try to go to school or learn more. But at the same time, we have to think about the wisdom of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, we know verse 16, but if you back up to verse 15, Paul says, and that from childhood you have known what? The Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Sounds familiar, right? We've already read that this morning in other passages. The Bible, complete as it is, laid out for us, is so wonderful. We see the same idea throughout. God does not change. And we see it here as well. The Holy Scriptures are able to make us wise through faith in Christ Jesus. If you wonder where you are or where you need to be, we understand from our lesson last week in the verses we looked at, and even this morning, it's in Christ Jesus. That's where these things are found, and the only place. Now, there may be there is the wisdom of the world. You, you may be streetwise. You may have lots of knowledge about lots of different things. Some people are very good at useless facts sometimes. You know, being able to talk about dates or about things in history or a pitcher's ERA or how many points someone scored in a basketball game in, in 1972. And that's fine. There's no problem with knowing those things. But are we wise, according to the Holy Scriptures, to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus? The wisdom from above is only available to those who are in Christ. And that's the wisdom that we should be searching for. Number five this morning, we have the revelation of His will. We just talked about the Holy Scriptures, but we have the revelation of His will. Continuing on there in verse number 9 and 10, Paul says, Having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times... He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. Where? In Him. In Him. We have the revelation of His will. We're not left wondering. We're not left wanting. We have the Holy Scriptures. Now you see a word there used in verse number 9, the idea of the mystery. I don't know if you've got your Bible open there to Ephesians 1 or if your Bible has headings, but over in Ephesians chapter 3, you might see the word mystery used again several times. We don't have time to get into all of that this morning, but many times we will see that and we will get a little concerned. We'll get a little confused. Maybe we're a little afraid to talk to people about that. We see mystery and we say, well, maybe we can't know. We're unsure, but God has made known to us the mystery of His will. The mystery there, the, the idea being used, is a Greek word meaning not yet revealed, though it was made known. This revealed mystery is the scheme of redemption. It was God's good pleasure to do this. When we think about 
the revelation of his will, we have received, we have received the instruction that we need. We have received the instruction that we need in details regarding salvation. Now, now I would submit to you that we've received the instruction we need on a whole host of things in our life. Uh, there's no stop tips, I don't think, tucked away in there anywhere. I don't think there's any type of future baseball results that you could, could bet on the results and win any money. I don't think there's lots of some of the things we want to be in there. But when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to the way we should think about things, the way we should act and talk, we have the instruction we needed. But even more specifically, we have received the needed instruction regarding salvation, which, of course, we can then obey. You see, that's the part of it. A lot of people want to shrug their shoulders and get really confused about the mystery or the Bible, and I can't understand it. God has made known the mystery. He has given us the needed instruction when it comes to salvation, but then we must obey. We must become gospel obedient. And that, of course, is where many people sometimes have a hold up. It's that we have an opportunity to know and to obey. Number six this morning, we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance in verses 11 and 12. Again, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things together excuse me, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who tr first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We have an inheritance. Uh, again, it's not dollars and cents. All right, It doesn't put anything in our bank account, and we don't like that sometimes. We, we need a little more money. We wish we could have an inheritance that, that amounted to some dollars. Maybe you've received a partial inheritance before, again, dollar-wise, from a family member. Maybe you're waiting for an inheritance, possibly, from a family member. We like the idea of receiving an inheritance. But in Christ, we have an inheritance. It's not the same kind, of course, in the dollar, in the dollar sense, but yes, we have one. In Acts chapter 20, as Paul is talking there, and he has called the Ephesian elders and is going to give instruction to them. In verse 32, he says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You know, inheritance, something of an inheritance has been something that people have thought about for a long time. We have an inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12 is a detailed section talking about that. We won't go through every verse this morning, but we know it begins there in verse 4 that we are begotten. Begotten again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. And again, we go on to see here from Peter what kind of inheritance it is. It is incorruptible. It is undefiled. It does not fade away. We receive an inheritance when we are in Christ. When Christians partake in, uh, as Christians, we partake in part of this inheritance now in the kingdom. When you become a Christian, the Lord adds you to his church. You are a part of the kingdom. You receive some of that inheritance right now. You're looking at it. We're here together. Being together, having an opportunity to fellowship together, worshiping God. We receive part of our inheritance as we are in the kingdom. But of course, there is some yet to come. 
We think about the inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven. That is incorruptible. That is undefiled. That does not fade away. As so many things in our life rust, as they corrupt, as they get old, as things break down, we long for something that will never fade away. That is incorruptible. That is undefiled. We receive part of our inheritance when we are in the kingdom. But there is still some yet to come. That's what we must be striving to reach for. That's why we must continue. Continue to press on. But yes, in Christ, we have an inheritance. And then this morning, excuse me, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In verse number, excuse me, verse number 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. Where, what does Paul say? In Him. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. When we see some words here including the Holy Spirit being a guarantee or a seal, we know that a seal is an identifying mark. Now, when we receive the Holy Spirit, as the Bible tells us that we do, when we are baptized and we belong to Him, we receive this seal, this identifying mark, if you will. Sometimes we wish it was something on our forehead. Sometimes we wish it was something that we could look at somebody and say, you're a Christian, and somebody could say, you're a Christian. It's not that type of seal. But we have an identifying mark that identifies us. When we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, we become Christians, and we become Christians, the Spirit identifies us as belonging to God under the authority of God under the authority of the one whom the seal represents you think about 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 in verses 21 and 22 Paul says now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee now, a guarantee we know. We know that because we have to buy houses or cars or we have to want to purchase something from someone, but we understand the guarantee. The guarantee is a down payment or a pledge. When we think about the Holy Spirit being given to us, it is a down payment. It is a guarantee. And so we understand that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the first century, He was able to do miraculous things. The Holy Spirit was able to guide them in that way. Of course, the Holy Spirit works on us as well by using the sword of the Spirit. We think about Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. And that Holy Spirit is a guarantee. It is an identifying mark. It is a seal. People should be able to look at us and recognize that we belong to God. And again, we are looking forward to that great inheritance, to that reward. Now, last week as we concluded our lesson, we asked some of these questions. And this morning as we conclude our lesson, we ask, how can I obtain these blessings? These seven spiritual blessings that are found specifically in this one passage, how can I obtain those blessings? How do I get in Christ? How do I get there? You see, it is a continuation of our lesson from last week because we're asking the same things. We're looking at what it means to be in Christ, and we're going to conclude the same way that we did last week. The same way that we began this morning. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
You see, much of the world would try to misalign us. They would try to tear us down and say, you Church of Christers, you Church of Christ folks, y'all, you think baptism is it and only it. All you want to talk about is baptism. Baptism is very important. We've talked about it for two weeks now here in these particular lessons because we have said we have to be baptized to be in Christ, to put on Christ. To become gospel obedient, participating with Christ in that death, burial, and resurrection. But there's certainly more to it. There are the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. But in Christ is a place because we can be there and we can leave there. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been in Christ. You've never enjoyed those spiritual blessings. You don't know what it feels to, to, to leave with that joy in your heart knowing that you have an inheritance, that you are chosen, that you are adopted, that God loves you, that He sent His Son, and that you have all of those spiritual blessings. We, we would encourage you this morning to make that great commitment to, to look at these passages, to seriously consider becoming a child of God, putting on Christ in baptism where we contact His blood and it washes away our sins. Maybe you're here and you've done that. you felt the joy. And it's not that you don't like it. It's just that the world sometimes seems a little more enticing. And we wander outside of Christ. Our sin separates us from Christ and from God. Maybe you're here this morning and you are a Christian, but you've wandered away. You've allowed sin to enter your life and you need forgiveness. We're about to sing this song in just a moment to encourage you to think about whether or not you are in Christ. People would try to tear us down and say, that's all you care about. It's not all we care about, but that is the most important question. Even this morning, are you in Christ? Maybe you need to become in Christ by being baptized. Maybe you need to come back to Him. Maybe you need the prayers of this congregation. We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.